0: Hey there. Welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for listening. I'm still considering naming this thing. Um, I'm maybe moving past the point of just thinking it's my ridiculousness and like, maybe it's just okay. Um, Hey, if you got any name ideas and you listen regularly, shoot them over my way. I'm open to ideas. Um, As long as it's not something like the worst podcast ever or something like that. Uh, But anyway, I'm being silly. Um, Just woke up this morning in my prayer time um, just thinking about the invitation to the feast um, that really, you know, it has a lot of different meanings, different connotations. Um, The Lord Himself, I would say. Um, But I was just thinking about how in that place, sitting at the table of the Master, That is the best place to be, right? I mean, that is a great abode. The rest, the rest of being in God, the Sabbath rest of being in him, reclining at his table, received at the king's table, received at the master's table. I remember, man, I remember even years ago, I think back when I I spoke a sermon like 18 years ago. When I my spiritual understanding was like kindergarten, <laughs> at best. And I remember just really thinking through the reality of like the best part of the parables that we read about being at the feast of the Master is that you're at the feast with the Master. The best part is that you're there. The best part is that you are seated in his presence and that remains in me today just I was thinking through that during my time this morning of just like man Lord yes and amen thank you for the invitation thank you but like I've kind of moved past the invitation I mean most of Christianity is is all about the invitation the invitation the invitation but the I I myself am more captivate, captivated by the, well, what now? I mean, I know I've been invited, I've responded, I've come, I'm seated with him, and so what now? Why was I invited here? I would call that the, the life of discipleship, the life of being sanctified and, and conformed into the image of Christ the Son. The what now? The the why was I why was I sent the invitation? You know, we have, to, we have to add these things to our life. I mean, we shouldn't be just giving ourselves to altar calls once a week for the rest of our days. And recommitting and recommitting and recommitting. That's not the goal of being born again, born from above. Even our regeneration, your point of being saved, whatever your preference is to call it, if you're sure biblically and in your heart that that is in fact taken place, that is only the beginning. The goal for my eight-year-old son is not to just get him saved. My goal is for him to surrender his will in life become regenerated, become a new creation, so that he is thereby enabled by the Spirit of God living and moving in him and through him to bring him into the fullness of why he was born again in the first place. So again, what is, what is our goal? Like, What are we aiming towards are, with ourselves, with our children, with anyone that's underneath us in influence? whoever the Lord has brought into our lives or will bring into our lives? Okay, Lord, like, I want my trajectory to be to the culmination of the what? The scripture that says, he who endures to the end will be saved. That is the goal. The goal is the enduring this flesh life to get to the end. And even the end is just the beginning, right? Like, do we understand? Do we understand this plan of God, this eternal plan of Yahweh God that is immeasurable? He is the Alpha, the beginning. He is the Omega, the end. And He has no beginning and He has no end. He is everything beyond our reasoning and understanding. He cannot be known. But yet he's not just some cosmic entity that is out there and cannot be rightly approached. And that's where I want that, to, that's like to me a good segue into what I want to talk about today. Because as I was thinking through the feast and, and praying like, all right, Lord, I want I want to sit at your table. Thank you. But like, yes, thank you. The posture of my heart is like gratefulness and humility. And like, I know I don't deserve to be here. I know that, but like... Okay, let's, let's, make a just, let's make our own parable. Let's say, I don't want to use the President of the United States because that to me would be appalling. I don't want to sit at his table. And so let's just make it some mystical king in some ancient day. And you're just a peasant guy out selling, who knows? You're selling animal hides, trying to make a living. And this procession comes down the middle of the street, with invitations to come and eat at the king's table. Well, what's the criteria? Show up. (laughs) Respond to the invitation. So here you go, friend. I don't care who you are, what you do. I don't care what your condition is. I'm bringing you an invitation to come to the palace and sit at the king's table with him, alongside others who are being invited. I'm sure the question would be like, are you sure? Do you know me? Do you know who I am? Yeah. this is It's not about you, really, friend. I mean, (laughs) this is an open invitation. Other invitations went out, and they were rejected. There were servants who were even killed delivering the message of the king and the invitation to come. Like, it's not gone well. It was for specific guests, and they rejected the offer. They rejected it. And so now it's being extended to you in the goodness and kindness and compassion of the Master. So, yes, believe it. Don't don't doubt this. This is real. This is a real invitation. You have been invited to a feast at the Master's table. Okay, so let's just say, continuing this, this, our own parable, mirroring, of course, the Scripture, which I will get to because my, my story is not the story, necessarily. And so you go. What we're going to talk about is the criteria, the response, the position. Okay, so let's say you go. And and you sit, let's just say, by happenstance, you are within earshot of the master. You're towards the end of his, his side of the table. Okay, now there, I would say there would need to be a humility that is overflowing at the outset of that event. You know, sir, I just wanted to tell you, like, thank you. Thank you that that you have invited me. I don't belong here. Let me tell you about myself. I don't, I don't deserve to sit in your presence, master. But thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you for the invitation. Thank you. I don't know why you invited me. Maybe you'll tell me along the way, but like, I know I don't deserve to be here, so thank you. And that would absolutely be a right response. Absolutely. But what I'm, what I'm feeling in this moment, and what the Lord was saying to me this morning, is like, that has to always be in me. That has to always be a common thread throughout all of the, the days of my life in front of me, is, the, is my undeservedness. I do not deserve to be here. I don't deserve to be a child of the Most High. God, I don't. That is easily admittable. Done, deal. Yes, sure, rock solid in me. I'm a son, I'm an heir, all these things. God owes me nothing. He owes me nothing. Everything He has given me is a gift. But, I don't believe He desires for the rest of my days to just sit there and tell Him how lowly and undeserving I am. Okay, and if this, I'm trying, this is like a, one of those little fine line things, like I want to say what I'm saying carefully because I'm in no way saying we set aside our humility and our admission that we do not belong there. That is absolutely sure and it will always be sure. I will never ever be deserving of the sonship of sitting at the table reality i will never be worthy of that in myself but the fact of the matter is by invitation and by responding rightly to the invitation i am thereby deemed worthy to be at the master's table right like so we have to have those two things side by side and rightly looked at and received as true I don't deserve to be there, but through the master, at the same time, I do. Because of what? Not because of me, but because he sent out the invitation, I responded, and I have met the criteria of sitting at his table. And so let's talk about that for just a minute. I hope that makes sense. I'm not, again, I'm not saying We are ever getting, we will never get to a place where, that's right, I'm a child of God, you better believe it, Uh uh-huh. No, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying the maturity of rightly seeing the fact that those who are in Christ, born again, born of the water, born of the Spirit, have been rightly given access to sit alongside the master, okay? So, like, I just feel that, like, really strongly, and so I'm in Matthew 22, Um, and Jesus, of course, is talking about these parables, and he says this, the kingdom of heaven, this is uh, Matthew 22 uh, at the very beginning, verse 2, because he responds. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son. He sent out his slaves to call those who had been invited to the wedding feast. They were unwilling to come. Again, he sent out other slaves, saying, Tell those who have been invited, Behold, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen, my fattened livestock are all butchered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding feast. By this point, the wedding feast is already set. Every single thing is in place. All that he's waiting on are people to come. But they paid no attention. They went their own way, one to his own farm, another to his business. The rest even seized the slaves, mistreated them, and killed them. But the king was enraged. He sent his armies, he destroyed the murderers, set the city on fire, and he said to his slaves, the wedding is ready. But those who were invited were not worthy. Go, therefore, to the main highways, and as many as you find there, invite to the wedding feast. So the slaves went out into the streets, and they gathered together all they found, both evil and good. And the wedding hall was filled with dinner guests. I'm going to read this verse again because it's going to become very pivotal. Verse 10 of chapter 22. The slaves went out into the streets and they gathered together all that they found, both evil and good. And the wedding hall was filled with dinner guests. But when the king came in to look over the dinner guests, he saw there a man not dressed in wedding clothes. And he said to that man, Friend, how did you come in here without wedding clothes? And the man was speechless. Then the king said to his servants, bind him hand and foot, cast him out. Outer darkness, weeping, gnashing of teeth, many are called, but few are chosen. Okay, so like, let's understand this picture, right? Because this just really struck me in a unique way this morning. I told my wife, I remember, I remember looking into this years ago with some questions that for whatever reason at that time I did not have answers to. And so when I read it this morning after following the feast stuff, In my prayer time this morning, and like, okay, I want to receive what's within that for me today. I landed here, and I landed in um, Luke, where we'll get to in just a minute. But what struck me with this man, okay, is like, my first thought, again, I remember years ago, was like, well, how did he get in there? If the wedding clothes are the prerequisite, and he didn't have them on, how was he even allowed in? And so as I started thinking through that, and my wife and I had some dialogue on it this morning, I went back to that verse, in verse um, 10, and it was just, I mean, you may have read this when you were 10, and be like, well, I understood that 30 years ago. Okay, that's fine and good. But for me, there was just something else in it this morning. Because when, when the blanket call, if you will, the broad net was cast out, the others rejected it. The ones that God intended to come became murderers. I mean, that that in itself could be a whole nother day of of of, of study and like, oh, what, what is that about? <laughs> but the 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 net of the invitation became very broad. Go get the good, go get the evil. I don't care. Get anyone because my my best choice, my my, my purpose, my entire purpose is I want people at my table. I want them here. And so, okay, so fast forward to 2019. The broad call is the same. Yes and amen. The call is the same. It's never changed and it never ever will. Come to the master's table. Come to his table. God will receive you as you are. Come to him. Come to him. He desires none should perish. He wants everybody at his table. Come, come, come. Yes, yes, yes. That is absolutely unequivocally true. Come to him. Both good and evil. Come, come. Yes. But what seems to be left off in the age that I now live in is the reality of what is at the door for you. The prerequisite reality because when those guests came to the door the way I understand it from like the perspective of what those people in that day told this parable would have understood is that when you came into that situation you were handed at the door a robe that would make you acceptable in the event's circumstances you would be given upon your arrival proper attire to be seated, appropriate, at the master's table. And so apparently, both the good and the evil come side by side to the master's house. And they were all given the proper clothing to be dressed in, to be found presentable to the master. And we we are told just by, we have to just assume, by by what we're told and what we're not in this parable. That everybody but this one man yielded to the requirement of putting on the proper garment. So this one, okay, so like imagine, let's just say it's 40 people. 40 people are invited, this long table and this ornate feast has been prepared, the master has prepared his food... He has slaughtered animals and prepared it and had his people make everything ready. He himself is coming to join himself beside you at a table you don't even deserve to be at. He provides you the means to be accepted in his sight. And you know what? It's his table. It's his food. It's his palace. He does whatever he wants. And so, yes and amen. Give me me the white robe. Give me the purple uh, suit. (laughs) Whatever our imaginations want to make it. And so everybody says, I will put on what the master told, told, told me is mandatory. What is appropriate. My appropriate response is I will do what the master of the house has said to do in order to come into the table I do not even deserve to see. And I get to sit by him. And you look at your friend next to you or your stranger next to you. And you say, brother, can you believe we're in here? I've seen this place. I've heard about it. But can you believe we're about to sit at the table of the king? Me. I sell goat skin. I dress in just nasty, yucky clothes. And live in a shack down there. We're going into the master's table. Oh, I know. I can't believe it. Give me the garment. I'll put it on. Give me the garment. I'll put it on right now. If, if the master said I'm putting it on to get in, oh, give, give me it. Right now, I'll put it on. It goes over my head. What does it do? It covers my identity. It covers my unworthiness. His garment is placed over and upon me and makes me presentable. And there's this one man, y'all. This parable is like, whoa, there's one man who says, no, thank you. I'm fine. I'm sufficient. I know how this works. I'm sufficient in myself. I look good enough I'm acceptable enough. I am already enough. Thank you. Where's my seat? Oh, friends. And don't you dare point a finger at him and say, Oh, how dare anyone be such a way? Oh, y'all, this is us. This is us. At some point in our life, surely, and if not still tempted to be that even today. I'm fine, thank you. And for whatever reason, the the servants, the doorkeepers, they let the man in. Because he's seated at the table. So the king comes in. The wedding hall is filled with guests. The king comes in. He looks over the dinner guests. He assesses who is in his presence. Just like that, his eyes, sees a man without the proper garment. (sighs) There's somebody in here who has not followed the criteria of being in my presence. And he's called out. Did he say, hey, hey, whoa, whoa. Easy now, Master. I don't need that, okay? I'm good. I'm sufficient. He didn't, he may have gone in with that, but when the Master called him out, what are we told in the Scriptures? He was speechless. Who he was, who he thought he was going in there, his sufficiency gone out the window nothing to stand on in his own identity and friends we've just gotta we've just gotta look at this as what it is he was cast out he was cast out that is the reality y'all That's the reality of coming into the Master's table on our own conditions, via our own doctrines, via our own ways, via our own understanding, and our own satisfactory position. Our sufficiency. Is that not the Garden of Eden inception of the lie? Hey, Eve, Eve, listen, listen to me. You just don't understand you don't need all of this. Eat off of that tree. Who cares? Is, that, is the master, to keep the parable going, is that master going to deny you what you deserve? He's holding back from you. You don't need him. You just be strong. Be yourself. That's what's within this parable. And we know what happened. And we know what happened in the garden. Cast out. Flaming swords. Cherubim. Uh-uh. You're not back in. Cast out. Luke 14. I'm going to try to be brief. Parable of the guests. He began speaking He Yeshua to the invited guests when he noticed how they had been picking out the places of honor at the table. He said to them, When you are invited, someone... When you're invited by someone to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor, lest someone more distinguished than you may have been invited by him. And he who invited you both shall come to you and say, Give place to this man, and then in disgrace you proceed to occupy the last place. But when you're invited... Go and recline at the last place, so that when the one who has invited you comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you will have honor in the sight of all who are at the table with you. For everyone who exalts himself shall be humbled, laid low. And he who humbles himself, lays himself low, shall be exalted. And so put that on this. Because that's what this one man did. I'm guessing he probably also got the best seat. He probably had the audacity and self-motivated unction of, of just his nasty flesh man. Not only did he go in, as we know for certain, not properly clothed in what was provided for him, I would not be surprised if he also took the best seat. In his self-confidence. I think I'll sit up here. Thank you. Where's the king's chair? That big one on the end? Yeah, put me next to him, please. Thank you. And y'all, let's just be careful. We're not told he was an evil one in that parable. In my version of the scriptures, he's not identified as an evil one out of the invite the good and the evil. He could have been a good man. He could have been an excellent man. He could have been any, any number of things we could say he was from a worldly perspective of a good man. But he defied the demands of the master. And so today... As you think of these words of Yeshua, the Messiah, the Christ, teacher, rabbi, speaking to anyone who would listen, including us today, you have no excuses. It must be according to the master's requirements, albeit that you were given a broad invitation to come like every other man who has ever lived and ever will. Yes, the invitation goes out. But when you respond to the invitation, yes and amen, you respond to the call of God. And you come to the palace and you make it to the door. And you are offered what is necessary to come in. To actually sit beside him and be in his presence and commune with him and fellowship with him. Will you do it? Because what's the call, y'all? And I can't go here long or I'll talk another hour. The call is to come and die. The call is to come and die. And y'all, I'm just going to be honest. Like, that is the description of my life over the last month. The garment clothes, you know what? There's not going to be any of you left. I don't care about your identity. Your identity is the problem. You must go into the death of Yeshua Messiah and lose yourself and empty yourself and be clothed in what? Be clothed in his righteousness. Be clothed in his identity in the perfect vow to the eternal Yahweh God the Father. And only those, only those, only those who put that garment upon themselves and literally disappear out of themselves into the Master's requirements, will you be accepted in His sight. And will you remain in the fellowship of the Master Messiah? The scriptures talk endlessly about what? The fellowship of his sufferings. Yeshua himself learned obedience through the things he suffered. We have fellowship. We have communion with him. And y'all, oh man, here's another thing, right? What are we invited into? Who's the food on the table? Himself. Himself. He is the meal. He is the feast. No excuses. It must be according to his requirements. And you absolutely must, should you even get in there in the first place, you must take the lower seat. You must take the lowest seat. Why? Because it's the way of the master, the foot washer, the one willing to be immersed himself when he didn't even quote need to. The lowly one, the suffering servant. You must take the lower seat because the lower seat is the seat of the master. He lowered himself to become the guest, if you will. Me and you, humanity, which culminated at the meal of his body and his blood. Himself, he is the feast. And so don't, friends, don't think for a second you're just strolling into that feast with your own beliefs, your own doctrines, your own ideas, your own understanding. I'm good. I'm good. I know this understanding so much it has to be right. It has to. We cannot be clothed in anything but what the master himself hands to us and says, friend, put this on. If you're coming to this table, you're going to put this on. And take the lower seat. Or else what? Shame will come to us. That's what, I mean, in a nutshell, that's what it says. Disgrace. Why? Because he... He is the mystery of the lowly, exalted Messiah. But y'all, this is the awesome thing. The invitation continues to go out. I'm going to say this and I've got to stop because I try to never go past 35 minutes. Last night, my son and I went out to dinner. My wife was with, with uh, friends And so we went out to dinner, and I'm just going to make this as brief as I can for the sake of time. The Lord told me to buy a meal for a man uh, just several tables down from us, sitting by himself in a corner. Now, he didn't look pitiful. He wasn't like, oh, look at that. He wasn't like an old man. (laughs) You know, that's easy. Oh, look at the poor old man, sympathy, oh, compassion. No, it wasn't that at all. But, like, as as I continue to move out, into this new reality of being born of the water and really in the kingdom. like I am compelled to just be the living water on this earth. And so I'm like, as we're eating, Noah and I are just having the most awesome time of our lives. And I just realize, okay, what I'm practicing. All right, Lord, if there's someone here that you want to pour your living water into, that you want to use this vessel to pour living water into, Lord, illuminate that to me. And I immediately went to that man in the corner, and I said, yes, Lord, yes, amen. And so I called our server over, I told him, I want to buy that man's meal. Please just, you know, if you can just take care of that, and like, you know, whatever you need to do to make that happen, but I don't want him to know. And so I explained to Noah, like, you know, Noah, I just feel that, that Yahweh's asking Daddy to, to tell that man about Jesus, to tell him that Yeshua, Jesus, the Messiah, has paid his debt. And so we did all that. I tried to explain to Noah. He's a little bit nervous. I said, son, you don't have to do anything. Just just trust daddy. It's okay. So that all takes place. and, and, And as I'm signing the bill, I realize he's getting up. So I'm like, oh, no, he's already done. I didn't know where he was at in his meal or whatever. So I went to him in the middle of this busy Saturday night restaurant, and I'm not giving myself accolades. I'm just saying, like, this is the evidence of God in me. So may it, be, may it challenge you. I need challenged. I want to hear about people responding to the Spirit. I want to know about that. I'm not afraid or offended of that. That spurs on our faith, right? So that's my goal. That's why I would even say this. And so I go over to this man. I ask him his name. He tells me, <laughs> So that's a good start. (laughs) I wasn't like, hey, back off. I just told him, paraphrased, God sees you, friend. The eternal God sees you, and he wants you to know that. He sees you, and he knows you, and he desires you, and he's invited you to himself via his son who has paid your debt, friend. And if you're aware you have a debt to be paid, it's been paid. And so I want you to go home tonight with an example of like even just this trivial little thing of your meal being paid for. That, ex- that small example, he said, so are you the one that paid for my dinner? I said, yes, sir, we did, you know. He said, well, thank you. You know, he's like looking at me like he's, he's listening. That's all I know. All I know is he's listening. Thank you, you know, like, whoa. <laughs> it's so small, so small. But Something. And so we walked out together and, you know, he said, man, just thanks again for doing that. I said, well, friend, I'm nobody. I'm nothing. (laughs) But may God speak to you. May you go to bed tonight knowing he loves you and has made a way for you to go to him. And we drove off. And we were behind him on the road as we left. So me and Noah were just praying. Well, I'm praying. Noah's (laughs) No, he's just listening. I'm praying for this man to encounter the eternal God. Friend, come to the table. Come to the table. The master is calling. And when you get there, put on the robe. Put on the clothes. Put it on. Yield. And then when you put the clothes on, you go in there and you look for the worst, crappiest lowliest seat at the table and you put your tush in it (laughs) get in it not get in it like look at me hey master look at me i'm at the lowest place you see me no a heart of true humility of i don't deserve to be in here at all i'm gonna even go sit in i'm gonna sit on the floor because i'm in the master's presence and that's the whole point Even the disciples, who's the greatest? Me, 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 So let, may we not think for a second we're above that. So may this be true. May the parable, thousands of years old, come and meet our now moments. And arrest us, and challenge us, and convict us, and change us. To become men who meet the criteria. Take the lowest place. No excuses, no self-identity. We leave all of our beliefs, we leave all of our understanding, it stays at the door. It stays at the door, and I take it off, and I put on the acceptable clothes, and I go in to the master. Let's go to the master's table. Amen. Amen.